Section 27 of Essays, Book 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Malone. Essays, Book 3 by Michel de Montaigne. Translated by Charles Cotton. Of Physiognomy. Almost all the opinions we have are taken on authority and trust, and tis not amiss. We could not choose worse than by ourselves in so weak an age. That image of Socrates' discourses, which his friends have transmitted to us, we approve upon no other account than a reverence to public sanction. Tis not according to our own knowledge. They are not after our way. If any of the kind should spring up now, few men would value them. We discern no graces that are not pointed and puffed out and inflated by art, such as glide on their own in their own purity and simplicity, easily escape so gross a sight as ours. They have a delicate and concealed beauty, such as requires a clear and purified sight to discover its secret light. Is not simplicity, as we take it, cousin German to folly and a quality of reproach? Socrates makes his soul move a natural and common motion. A peasant said this, a woman said that. He has never anybody in his mouth but carters, joiners, cobblers, and masons. His are inductions and similitudes drawn from the most common and known actions of men everyone understands him. We should never have recognized the nobility and splendor of his admirable conceptions under so mean a form. We, who think all things low and flat, that are not elevated by learned doctrine, and who discern no riches but in pomp and show. This world of ours is only formed for ostentation. Men are only puffed up with wind, and are bandied to and fro like tennis-balls. He proposed to himself no vain and idle fancies. His design was to furnish us with precepts and things that are more really and fitly to serve to the use of life. Servare modum, finemque tenere, naturamque sequi. To keep a just mean, to observe a just limit, and to follow nature. Lucan two, three eighty one. He was also always one and the same, and raised himself not by starts, but by complexion, to the highest pitch of vigor, or, to say better, mounted not at all, but rather brought down, reduced, and subjected all asperities and difficulties to his original and natural condition. For in Cato tis most manifest that tis a procedure extended far beyond the common ways of men. In the brave exploits of his life, and in his death, we find him always mounted upon the great horse, whereas the other ever creeps upon the ground, and with a gentle and ordinary pace, treats of the most useful matters, and bears himself both at his death and in the rudest difficulties that could present themselves in the ordinary way of human life. It has fallen out well that the man most worthy to be known and to be presented to the world 
for example, should be he of whom we have the most certain knowledge. He has been pried into by the most clear-sighted men that ever were. The testimonies we have of him are admirable, both in fidelity and fullness. Tis a great thing that he was able so to order the pure imaginations of a child, that, without altering or resting them, he thereby produced the most beautiful effects of our soul. He presents it neither elevated nor rich. He only represents it sound, but assuredly with a brisk and full health. By these common and natural springs, by these ordinary and popular fancies, without being moved or put out, he set up not only the most regular, but the most high and vigorous beliefs, actions, and manners that ever were. Tis he who brought again from heaven, where she lost her time, human wisdom, to restore her to man with whom her most just and greatest business lies. See him plead before his judges, observe by what reasons he rouses his courage to the hazards of war, with what arguments he fortifies his patience against calumny, tyranny, death, and the perverseness of his wife. You will find nothing in all this borrowed from arts and sciences. The simplest may there discover their own means and strength. Tis not possible more to retire or to creep more low. He has done human nature a great kindness in showing it how much it can do of itself. We are all of us richer than we think we are, but we are taught to borrow and to beg and brought up more to make use of what is another's than of our own. Man can in nothing fix himself to his actual necessity. Of pleasure, wealth, and power, he grasps at more than he can hold. His greediness is incapable of moderation. And I find that in curiosity of knowing he is the same. He cuts himself out more work than he can do and more than he needs to do, extending the utility of knowledge to the full of its matter. Ut omnium rerum sic literarum quoque intemperantia laboramus. We carry intemperance into the study of literature, as well as everything else. Seneca, Epistles 106. And Tacitus had reason to commend the mother of Agricola for having restrained her son in his too violent appetite for learning. Tis a good, if duly considered, which has in it, as the other goods of men have, a great deal of vanity and weakness, proper and natural to itself, and that costs very dear. Its acquisition is far more hazardous than that of all other meat or drink, for, as to other things, what we have brought we carry home in some vessel, and there have full leisure to examine our purchase, how much we shall eat or drink of it, and when. But sciences we can, at the very first, stow into no other vessel than the soul. We swallow them in buying, and return from the market, either already infected or amended. There are some that only burden and overcharge the stomach, instead of nourishing. 
and moreover some that under color of curing poisonous i have been pleased in places where i have been to see men in devotion vow ignorance as well as chastity poverty and penitence tis also a gilding of our unruly appetites to blunt this cupidity that spurs us on to the study of books and to deprive the soul of this voluptuous complacency that tickles us with the opinion of knowledge and tis plainerly to accomplish the vow of poverty to add unto it that of the mind we need little doctrine to live at our ease and socrates teaches us that this is in us and the way how to find it and the manner how to use it all our sufficiency which exceeds the natural is well-nigh superfluous and vain tis much if it does not rather burden and cumber us than do us good paucis opus est literis ad mentem bonum little learning is needed to form a sound mind seneca epistles 106 tis a feverish excess of the mind a tempestuous and unquiet instrument do but recollect yourself and you will find in yourself natural arguments against death true and the fittest to serve you in time of necessity tis they that make a peasant and whole nations die with as much firmness as a philosopher should i have died less cheerfully before i had read cicero's tusculan questions i believe not and when i find myself at the best i perceive that my tongue is enriched indeed but my courage little or nothing elevated by them that is just as nature framed it at first and defends itself against the conflict only after a natural and ordinary way books have not so much served me for instruction as exercise what if knowledge trying to arm us with new defences against natural inconveniences has more imprinted in our fancies their weight and greatness than her reasons and subtleties to secure us from them they are subtleties indeed with which she often alarms us to little purpose do but observe how many slight and frivolous and if nearly examine incorporeal arguments the closest and wisest authors scatter about one good one they are but verbal quirks and fallacies to amuse and gull us but forasmuch as it may be with some profit i will sift them no further many of that sort are here and there dispersed up and down this book either borrowed or by imitation therefore one ought to take a little heed not to call that force which is only a pretty knack of writing and that solid which is only sharp or that good which is only fine quae magis gustata quam potata delectant which more delight in the tasting than in being drunk cicero tusculani quaestiones five five everything that pleases does not nourish ubi non ingenii sed animi negotium agitur where the question is not about the wit 
but about the soul. Seneca, Epistolae, 75. To see the trouble that Seneca gives himself to fortify himself against death, to see him so sweat and pant to harden and encourage himself, and bustle so long upon this perch, would have lessened his reputation with me had he not very bravely held himself at the last. His so ardent and frequent agitations discover that he was in himself impetuous and passionate. Magnus animus remissius locutor et securius, known as alias ingenio, alias animo color. A great courage speaks more calmly and more securely, not one complexion for the wit and another for the soul. Seneca, Epistolae, one fourteen, one fifteen. He must be convinced at his own expense, and he in some sort discovers that he was hard pressed by his enemy. Plutarch's way, by how much it is more disdainful and farther stretched, is, in my opinion, so much more manly and persuasive. And I am apt to believe that his soul had more assured and more regular motions the one more sharp and pricks and makes a start and more touches the soul the other more constantly solid forms establishes and supports us and more touches the understanding that ravishes the judgment this wins it i have likewise seen other writings yet more reverenced than these that in the representation of the conflict they maintain against the temptations of the flesh paint them so sharp so powerful and invincible that we ourselves who are of the common herd are as much to wonder at the strangeness and unknown force of their temptation as at the resisting it to what end do we so arm ourselves with this harness of science? Let us look down upon the poor people that we see scattered upon the face of the earth, prone and intent upon their business, that neither know Aristotle nor Cato, example nor precept. From these nature every day extracts of constancy and patience more pure and manly than those we so inquisitively study in the schools. How many do I ordinarily see who slight poverty? How many who desire to die, or who die without alarm or regret? He who is now digging in my garden has this morning buried his father or his son. The very names by which we call diseases sweeten and mollify the sharpness of them the physic is with them no more than a cough dysentery but a looseness the pleurisy but a stitch and as they gently name them so they patiently endure them they are very great and grievous indeed when they hinder their ordinary labor they never keep their beds but to die Simplex illa et aperta virtus in obscurum et solertum scientium versa est. That overt and simple virtue is converted into an obscure, subtle science. Seneca, Epistle 19. I was writing this about the time when a great load of our intestine troubles for several months 
lay with all its weight upon me. I had the enemy at my door on one side, and the freebooters, worse enemies, on the other. Known armies said wittiis kertator. The fight is not with arms, but with vices. Seneca, Epistle 95 and underwent all sorts of military injuries at once. Hostus adest dextra laivaque aparte timendus, vicinoque malo teret optumque latus. Right and left, a formidable enemy is to be feared and threatens me on both sides with impending danger. Ovid de Ponto, one three, fifty-seven. A monstrous war. Other wars are bent against strangers. This against itself, destroying itself with its own poison. It is of so malignant and ruinous a nature that it ruins itself with the rest, and with its own rage mangles and tears itself to pieces. We more often see it dissolve of itself than through scarcity of any necessary thing or by force of an enemy. All discipline evades it. It comes to compose sedition, and is itself full of it, would chastise disobedience, and is itself the example, and, employed for the defense of the laws, rebels against its own. What a condition we are in! Our physic makes us sick. Notre mal s'empoison du secours qu'on lui donne. Exuperat magus, agresquitque medendo. Our disease is poisoned with its very remedies. Aeneid 12.46 Omnia fonda, nefanda, malo permixta furore, justificam nobis mentem avertere deorum. Right and wrong all shuffled together in this wicked fury, have deprived us of the gods' protection. Catullus de Nupiis Pelei et Thetidos, 5.405 In the beginning of these popular maladies, one may distinguish the sound from the sick. But when they come to continue, as ours have done, the whole body is then infected from head to foot. No part is free from corruption, for there is no air that men so greedily draw in that diffuses itself so soon and that penetrates so deep as that of license. Our armies only subsist and are kept together by the cement of foreigners. For a Frenchman there is now no constant and regular army to be made. What a shame it is! There is no longer any discipline but what we see in the mercenary soldiers. As to ourselves, our conduct is at discretion, and not of the chief, but every one at his own. The general has a harder game to play within than he has without. He it is who has to follow, to court the soldiers, to give way to them. He alone has to obey all the rest, if dissolution and free license. It pleases me to observe how much pusillanimity and cowardice there is in ambition. 
by how abject and servile ways it must arrive at its end. But it displeases me to see good and generous natures, and that are capable of justice, every day corrupted in the management and command of this confusion. Long toleration begets habit, habit, consent, and imitation. We had ill-formed souls enough without spoiling those that were generous and good, so that, if we hold on, there will scarcely remain any with whom to entrust the health of this state of ours, in case fortune chance to restore it. Hunc salta me verso unem succurere cyclo ne prohibete. Forbid not, at least, that this young man repair this ruined age. Virgil, Georgics, 1, 500. Montaigne probably refers to Henry, King of Navarre, afterwards Henry the Fourth. What has become of that old precept that soldiers ought more to fear their chief than the enemy? Valerius Maximus Extensiones two, And of that wonderful example that an orchard being enclosed within the precincts of a camp of the Roman army, was seen at their dislodgment the next day in the same condition, not an apple, though ripe and delicious, being pulled off, but all left to the possessor. I could wish that our youth, instead of the time they spend in less fruitful travels and less honorable employments, would bestow one half of that time in being an eyewitness of naval exploits under some good captain of Rhodes, and the other half in observing the discipline of the Turkish armies, for they have many differences and advantages over ours. One of these is that our soldiers become more licentious in expeditions, theirs more temperate and circumspect. For the thefts and insolencies committed upon the common people, which are only punished with a cudgel in peace, are capital in war. For an egg taken by a Turkish soldier without paying for it, fifty blows with a stick is the fixed rate. For anything else, of what sort or how trivial soever, not necessary to nourishment, they are presently impaled or beheaded without mercy. I am astonished in the history of Selim, the most cruel conqueror that ever was, to see that when he subdued Egypt, the beautiful gardens about Damascus being all open and in a conquered land, and his army encamped upon the very place, should be left untouched by the hands of the soldiers, by reason they had not received the signal of pillage. But is there any disease in a government that is worth while to physic to such a mortal drug, i.e. as civil war? No, said Favonius, not even the tyrannical usurpation of a commonwealth. Plato, likewise, will not consent that a man should violate the peace of his country in order to cure it and by no means approves of a reformation that disturbs and hazards all, and that is to be purchased at the price of the citizen's blood and ruin. Determining it to be the duty of a good patriot in such a case to let it alone, and only pray to God for his extraordinary assistance.
and he seems to be angry with his great friend Dion for having proceeded somewhat after another manner. I was a Platonist in this point before I knew there had ever been such a man as Plato in the world. And if this person ought absolutely to be rejected from our society, he who by the sincerity of his conscience merited from the divine favor to penetrate so far into the Christian light, through the universal darkness wherein the world was involved in his time, I do not think it becomes us to suffer ourselves to be instructed by a heathen, how great an impiety it is not to expect from God any relief, simply his own, and without our cooperation. I often doubt whether amongst so many men as meddle in such affairs, there is not to be found someone of so weak understanding as to have been really persuaded that he went towards reformation by the worst of deformations, and advanced towards salvation by the most express causes that we have of most assured damnation, and that by overthrowing government, the magistracy, and the laws in whose protection God has placed him, by dismembering his good mother and giving her limbs to be mangled by her old enemies, filling fraternal hearts with parricidal hatreds, calling devils and furies to his aid, he can assist the most holy sweetness and justice of the divine law. Ambition, avarice, cruelty, and revenge have not sufficient natural impetuosity of their own. Let us bait them with the glorious titles of justice and devotion. There cannot be a worse state of things imagined than where wickedness comes to be legitimate and assumes, with the magistrate's permission, the cloak of virtue. Nil in speciem fallacius quam prawal religio, ubi deorum numen praetenditur sceleribus. Nothing has a more deceiving face than false religion, where the divinity of the gods is obscured by crimes. Livy 29.16 The extremest sort of injustice, according to Plato, is where that which is unjust should be reputed for just. The common people then suffered very much, and not present damage only. Undique totis usquadio turbator agris. Such great disorders overtake our fields on every side. Virgil Eclogues, 1, 2. But future, too. The living were to suffer, and so were they who were yet unborn. They stripped them, and consequently myself, even of hope, taking from them all they had laid up in store to live on for many years. Quae nequiunt se cumferi aut abducere perdunt, et cremat insontes turbas scelesticasas, muris nolifides squalent populatibus agri. What they cannot bear away, they spoil, and the wicked mob burn harmless houses. Walls cannot secure their masters, and the fields are squalid with devastation. Ovid, Tristia. 3.10.35, Claudianus in Eutropius, 1.244.
Besides this shock, I suffered others. I underwent the inconveniences that moderation brings along with it in such a disease. I was robbed on all hands. To the gibbeline I was a gilf, and to the gilf a gibbeline. One of my poets expresses this very well, but I know not where it is. The situation of my house and my friendliness with my neighbors presented me with one face, my life and my actions with another. They did not lay formal accusations to my charge, for they had no foundation for so doing. I never hid my head from the laws, and whoever would have questioned me would have done himself a greater prejudice than me. They were only mute suspicions that were whispered about, which never want appearance in so confused a mixture, no more than envious or idle heads. I commonly myself lend a hand to injurious presumptions that fortune scatters abroad against me by a way I have ever had of evading to justify, excuse, or explain myself, conceiving that it were to compromise my conscience to plead in its behalf. Perspicuitas enim argumentatione elevator for perspicuity is lessened by argument. The clearness of a cause is clouded by argumentation. Cicero, De Natura Deorum, 3, 4. And, as if everyone saw as clearly into me as I do myself, instead of retiring from an accusation, I step up to meet it, and rather give it some kind of color by an ironical and scoffing confession if I do not sit totally mute, as of a thing not worthy my answer. But such as look upon this kind of behavior of mine as too haughty a confidence, have as little kindness for me as they who interpret the weakness of an indefensible cause, namely, the great folks, towards whom want of submission is the great fault, harsh towards all justice that knows and feels itself, and is not submissive, humble, and suppliant. I have often knocked my head against this pillar. So it is that at what then befell me an ambitious man would have hanged himself, and a covetous man would have done the same. I have no manner of cure of getting. Si mihi quod est etiam minus, et mihi vivum quod superest iwi, si quid superesse volant dii. If I may have what I now own, or even less, and may live for myself what of life remains, if the gods grant me remaining years. Horace, Epodes, one eighteen one o seven. But the losses that befall me by the injury of others, whether by theft or violence, go almost as near my heart as they would to that of the most avaricious man. The offense troubles me, without comparison, more than the loss. A thousand several sorts of mischiefs fell upon me in the neck of one another. I could more cheerfully have borne them all at once. End of section 27 this section is dedicated to the memory of Irene Malone, nineteen o one to nineteen ninety nine. Reading by Malone.